please be advised. The Kind of Movie Critics podcast may contain spoilers. This includes most of the movies you're going to want to see. This shit also contains profanity, so there's that. Enjoy. Yo, yo, it's Young Treasy. Stop calling yourself Young Treasy. Oh, <laughs> yo, yo, this is Treasy. Yo, yo, this is Corey. Smart in the mail, man. This is Jesse T. And I'm Young Leezy. Yep, yep. We are the uh, Kind of Movie Critics podcast. And um, we missed last week, and that's because of me. I was doing some fun shit. Y'all are mad about it. So, anyway. Nobody cares. No, no, people care. I kind of no, care. I, do. I kind of care. Can you just give us a little info of what you were doing? All right. Well, because you know what? Thank you, Jesse, for, for yeah, prompting. Like, oh, y'all were doing some big stuff. Huh? Isn't it like classified? No, no. not especially when the when the music is all it's out there all now. Out. Yeah. Wow, they, they ended that quick. Yeah. Well, it's, it was a seven-day project. So, for everybody who doesn't know... Um, Basically, uh, the last two weeks I spent at DJ Jazzy Jeff's crib where he made, he invited a bunch of musicians together to make an album from scratch in seven days. Wow. Yeah. And it is a dope fucking album. So, yeah, it was like 16 hour work days because we were live streaming a lot of shit that was happening and, you know, filming pretty, archiving the entire process. So it was just a lot of shit. So... It's fun. You can go listen to it. It's called uh, Chasing Goosebumps, as a matter of fact. Uh, playlist, the Playlist Orchestra and Glenn Lewis did the vocals for all the songs. So it's called Chasing Goosebumps. So that's why we missed last week's episode. Um, but we are back to talk about... Oh, did somebody have a question? I heard somebody about to interject. No, I was going to say, like that was a pretty ambitious project for you and Chris, a.k.a. Bad News Bully, a.k.a. Beano, a.k.a. Beans, yeah. that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was... Friend and, and of the show. Did he do the Index album cover? Who did the album cover photo? I, it was either him or Dex. I can't remember which one. That's oh, dope. Okay. Yeah, but it, that became like the whole light swinging light bulb. That became uh-huh. like the whole concept, or just like the foundation for a lot of shit. Even the video we shot, it was like the foundation for it. You shot it. Music video? We shot they yeah, we we put together an entire album. We shot a music video. They mixed it and put it out. Like I'm talking about we're talking about less than a two week period for all of this. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, like last month this time I didn't know none of this shit existed. This month this time all of it existed. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like, so yeah, it was a pretty cool experience. But I'm not gonna get long winded about that. We're here to talk about Spike Lee, who is actually my favorite film director and Corey's biggest arch nemesis for whatever reason. I, I, just, like, oh. I feel like we're really reaching at this yeah. current point. <laughs> I, I just don't really like his work. Okay. I don't find him to be a very good director. Okay. Well, I'm sure he cared because you're white. You know what I'm saying? So I'm I, sure you know, was, I was no. going to say, like, <laughs> before we before we started recording, Treasy has this thing where he picks on Corey, which I don't really have Corey's back, but I kind of do, but I don't tell him that. But he's always like, Corey doesn't like black shit. I don't feel like that's actually true. When it comes to films, he doesn't. I don't think that's actually true. I, I, I like a lot of black shit. You'll apparently. See. As time progresses, you'll Corey see. Corey likes sneakers and shit. And no, that's cool. He totally misses beautiful bronze black women. Culture. He'll like, he'll rape. <laughs> wow. He's a culture vulture. Wow. I didn't say he wasn't. Wow. Did you call him a culture vulture? He's a culture vulture. That's rude as hell. Dang. Take that back. Listen, no, let's don't take that. That's the respect I get. I respect you. I respect Listen, I mean, I, I, I rate white he respects the struggle, <laughs> all that stuff. But um, we're just going to preface this with saying, like, we're not race baiting Corey. Corey is allowed to have whatever opinion he has. Of course, as but a white we're, person, we're also allowed to call it out when it's bullshit. It's I, I like black shit. 
I don't we know <laughs> why that's like just because I don't like something that happens to be black doesn't mean that I don't like the whole thing. I'm that's not, a blanket statement. That's some shit Treasy said though. The rest of us are not a part of that. What's that? That D- D- Corey doesn't like black shit. Martin agrees with me. Does Martin agree with what? Treasy? That Corey doesn't like black shit when it comes to like actors and stuff like well, that. Okay, as far as Spike Lee, when you you just watched Bamboozled, right? Mm-hmm. Did you uh did you have feelings? Did you tear up when you watched the montage? I I did not. The tear very up. last one. Yeah. So but I you was... don't like black shit. <laughs> hey man, said it like a real nigga. Interestingly enough, you brought up the montage. I was telling Treasy that the first time I watched that movie, I cried because the yeah. very last. Seed and the montage is Farina, who happens to be my relative, and I felt a way about that. I was like, oh no, oh. my bloodline has contributed to <laughs> minstrel shows. But lead over it. It's an important part of history. Yeah. So, so let's let's elaborate for a brief moment. Where does your why do I not like black shit? Um, well, I mean, obviously, I need, I'm kind of joking. I need con. No, it sounds like you're not joking. Well, no, let's just, I, I'll be 100% real. Like, I, I'm, I didn't I'm, think he was joking when uh, he said it. Exactly. Yeah. It's really convincing. Well, okay. So, honestly, I just, I think, I think that, like, I think that you're disconnected from, like, the black struggle. Oh, my God. Are you saying this for real? Huh? Yeah, why not? I mean, that's not that's not how I experienced Corey, but may, but y'all known each other longer than I've yeah, known him. I don't, but I'm not saying it like it's a bad thing. I'm disconnected from the white struggle. I just think that's a. I think that's just the thing. I'm making a face. Um. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm just. I mean, listen. I don't. I don't. I don't know the, the struggle of white people. I know the struggle of black people. He I doesn't think know he, about I, having to put on sunscreen every day. Ah, oh, damn yeah, it! I don't know nothing about that shit. You know what I'm saying? I do. So I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think. I think that like. I just think that you know you can take it or leave it when it comes to black for some reason. So you feel like only movies though. Like it's not like that in real life. So you feel like because he doesn't have lived experience as a black person that certain things don't resonate with him? Is that what you're trying to say? Possibly. Okay. Yeah. That that might be fair, but but, but I don't think he hates black shit. No. I mean, that's what I that's why I'm like, I'm just joking. Like that's extreme. Okay. The argument though would be is that one of my we'll we'll bring it back to Spike Lee, is that we've talked about the message, which I would like to believe that I get the message. I don't like his execution. I can agree with that. So sometimes I go, okay, I'm since I am white and I'm looking at it from a strictly, not strictly, but a more filmmaking and a technical side, I'm like, yeah, the message is great, but I don't like the package it comes in. Right. So I'm not, maybe, is that- So you a, feel like it's more of an objective thing because you don't have an emotional connection to it. Exactly. So when I look at it, I go, cool, great message. I get it. I totally get it. Right. I, the, the execution is not good to me. I can agree with that. There's a few scenes, and we'll get into that as we discuss, where I'm just like, what did you do that for? We didn't need that. And he mm-hmm. does that a few times. He, I feel like he didn't used to bang you in the head with things. He just let things be what they were. Wake up. <laughs> I mean, well, we get a wake up in every single movie, though. Yeah. And it's not always that, right? Right. You even get one before that that's less obvious than that. There's a wake up, and she's got to have it. But, right. you know, I'm obsessed, so there's that. Okay. But, um... I feel like he, like, at a certain point, he couldn't figure out ways to to say what he wanted to say or he wanted to beat you in the head with the message. And so he invented some stupid reason to say something in a movie that didn't have shit to do with the movie. Well, you know. I'm I'm with you 120, 30,000 percent. You know what probably happened? He probably realized shit was going over people's heads. (laughs) He probably did some he probably did some market research and talking with people and and realizing conversation. Oh, I don't think people got what I was trying to say. I can see that happening. But personally, I just don't think that makes that's not an automatic excuse for a good film. 
I think if you can't get something across with the subtlety that it deserves for people who are intelligent enough to receive it, then you you don't need to play to the cheap seats in the back and compromise like the artistic value of your movie. Well, I think well, okay, when you bring in the word artistic, I think that becomes uh, subjective, subjective point of view you know Fair what I'm saying enough. because he's very I mean he's to me he's the one of the only people that cares enough to implement artistry in his films like like you know what it, you know you joked about it earlier the Spike mm-hmm. Lee shot there's a Spike Lee shot though how mm-hmm. many people have a Spike Lee shot yeah you know, even though it may be dumb, it's a signature. You know what I'm saying? How many movies can you put on and within 20 minutes you're like, oh, this must be a, even his editing style. You know, sometimes he'll double up on things that are, you know, he wants to get the point across. He'll double up on a moment. Uh-huh. I know right off the bat that's Spike Lee, you know, but there's not a lot of people that implement that. There's a lot of, there's a lot of like just cookie cutter I think approach to filmmaking when it comes to a lot of other film film. I don't know that I've seen that double up anywhere other than when Mookie and Tina are kissing and do the right what? thing. But Have now I'm going to pay attention. Hour? Are you talking about where it, it's like? Yeah, I saw it in Bamboo. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's, weird it's, thing it's, it's that Corey just did with I've his phone. <laughs> right. I, I don't know if I paid. No, he did do it in Bamboo. Now that that I mentioned, I Twenty Fifth Hour is not one of my favorite Spike movies. Oh but it's man, fine. it's phenomenal. I don't hate it. It's phenomenal. It's not my favorite. So for anybody who's not familiar with Spike Lee. Let's just start there, right? We're going to start there by giving a very short bio narrated by the great young Weezy. I got to I gotta give bios and shit now. I feel important. Well, so, yeah, you're um, like the human Wikipedia, <laughs> apparently. You're being funny. Um, so Spike Lee is from New York. He's from Bed-Stuy? Um, I don't know if he's from Bed-Stuy. I know he's, he's from, from Brooklyn. Fort Green. Well, no, he is from Fort Green. Uh, yeah. Fort Green. I think he lived in Fort Greene. Anyway, he's, he's from Brooklyn. He's from Brooklyn. Nobody, anybody from Brooklyn doesn't know about these. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not from Brooklyn doesn't know about these little section pieces of Brooklyn. But I know that when he got, when he was like first like building capital for some of his early movies, he was living in Fort Greene. So for whatever yeah. reason, I feel like he's from Bed-Stuy because of Brooklyn. Right. So. Back to the bio. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. I'll jam my fingers up your nose. Um <laughs> So Spike Lee, HBCU educated, went to Morehouse, yeah. um, is a film professor at NYU currently, avid baseball fan, likes to wear the Knicks colors and look like the Cosby kid and be memed on the court in Madison Square Garden. Am I missing anything? Um, Yeah. I mean, well, you talk oh, is, to... You oh, talk well, his, he's, the, he's the son of a, a teacher and a musician, and that's why you see in Crooklyn, it mirrors his life, even though the movie's really about his sister. But lost his mom. Dad was a musician. Dad used to score his movies. You actually see his dad in. He's in Mo Better Blues, and mm-hmm. he's in Billy. Billy, yeah, he's in Mo Better Blues, and he's in She's Got to Have It. He might be some other places where I didn't notice him. Right. Um, but you don't see his mom because she's gone. Um, I think the biggest indicator into as to who Spike Lee is is that he owns a film production company called Forty Acres and a Mule. Showed up, you dig? Showed up, you dig? By I any think, means necessary, right? So I think I think that's and he calls his movie Spike Lee Joints. Yep. I think those are pretty two big indicators. If nobody knew anything else, as to who the personality of Spike Lee is, he's very in tune with. Uh, he he's a voice for black culture and in, in terms of filmmaking. That's how I would sum it up. Um. And apparently he's real short. I've seen him a few times, and he's real short. Never seen him in person. Yeah, he's he short. He looks short shit. next to regular sized people, though. Yeah, he's short, but he's cool as fuck. Oh well, I mean, in terms of like a dap up, I've only dapped the guy up and said, "Yo, you're I do my hero." Because I've 
I've seen him twice, and yeah, I was behind. I was walking behind you when you dapped him up. Uh, so I told him he was my hero. So that's the only interaction I've ever had with him. And then he dapped you up. He was like, "Yo, that's." He was like, "Yo, that's dope." Oh, sweet. He said, like dope. leaning against the wall. I think. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I you walked up on Spike Lee and sang "Wind Beneath My Wings." I didn't nah. know you had that in you. <laughs> was it the Mastercard well, or American happen. Express? It was the American, <laughs> the American Express, Express concert. Thing. Yeah, yeah. The, for the roots that he that he directed. Ah, yep. okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yep. That was a, that's my. My one experience with Spike Lee. So he didn't talk to you, Corey. I actually no. It, the you might walk up on him and tell him I hate your shit. What you gonna do about I it? I definitely didn't. But I do have a funny story too. Is uh, when he came to NSU a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like a question. Do you remember that at all? Mm-hmm. Okay, came to NSU. He did a little question year with the the communications department. That's dope. And they had a little question section where everybody could line up and. I was the only white person. So, uh, but everybody else asked about black issues, black culture, you know, things going on in the black community. And I was the first person to ask an actual filmmaking question. And he pointed that out. He was like, wow, it took, it took the white guy to actually ask me a filmmaking question. It was a very technical based question. That's funny. So and he, I mean, we joked about it. He answered my question. And I moved on with my life. Cause I mean, what did you ask him? I asked him about, he, at that time, he had only used about three uh, DPs. Mm-hmm. And I asked him. Director of photography for yeah. people that don't know. Was there a reason for that? And then why is it important to have that relationship with your camera operator or your camera guy? And, uh, you know. Which is a great question. That is a good me. question. That's a really good question. Yeah. Because in my own personal filmmaking uh, work, I work, I like to have a good relationship with the DP. So mm-hmm. I, that's important to me. So I wanted to know about that with him. Nice, nice. Yeah. In my, in my Australian. But I respect the guy as a, I respect him as a filmmaker and the fact that you are making movies. I'm just not always a fan of your style in every single movie. I he has movies that I like. Right. So. Mm. Well, okay. So that's a great segue into how we're structuring this particular episode here, just to be transparent about the whole situation. Um, so we've kind of, as a wink and a nod to his documentary about Hurricane Katrina called uh, uh, When the Levees Broke in a Requiem in Four Acts, we're actually taking that same approach and splitting up his splitting up his filmography into like four quadrants, I guess is what you want to call it, uh, four acts to, you know, to pretty much just sum it up in, in that in that vein. So the four quadrants that we decided to split up Spike Lee's filmography into is uh, statement pieces, the movies that, you know, make clear statements. Cause that's, that's one of the big things for me. Why I love Spike Lee is because he is a filmmaker that actually strives to make statements in most of his films. Um, films that's, that speak about the black experience. Um, then you have his documentary film work. And then we have a, his fourth section, which we are calling How Did We Get Here, or AKA What the Fuck, WTF, How Did We Get Here, because he has a few of those movies that we'll get into, in my opinion. Well, that just means that we didn't see them coming. It's not necessarily bad. Right. They, it just didn't fit the format of who he built his brand to be. Right. You know, um, so uh, that's so those are the four categories. Statement pieces, black experience, commentary, uh, documentary films, and, and uh, How Did We Get Here. The statement pieces, what four movies do we have in this category? We've got She's Gotta Have It, Mo Better Blues, Chirac, and Jungle Fever. So the definition of statement pieces, I think um, the idea behind it was these are the films that he's clearly trying to give us a message. What is the message in She's Gotta Have It? 
Well, you're looking at me, so I'll talk. Yeah, the feminist. Um, She's got to have it. Is one of my favorite Spike Lee films, and it's one that I actually saw later because I was maybe like four when it came out, mm-hmm. so I wasn't allowed to watch. And it's about sex. Mm-hmm. Um, to give you guys some background, Nola Darling, played by Tracy Camilla Jones, is in a relationship with three guys, and they all know about each other. And I guess it's about like women taking autonomy over their sex lives. Um, ultimately, it doesn't work out for her because you know women sometimes don't know what we want either in the same way that men do. And I think like. Had she been a man, the situation would have gone the same way. But I think it has, like, really strong feminist themes. Mm-hmm. Talks about lesbians a little bit. We get Mars Blackman from the Jordan Shoe campaign. Yeah, we get that character out of that movie. Yeah, that's where he was birthed, and she's got to have it. Yeah. yeah. Which, so, is a, which is a horrible character, by the way. Like, no, excuse no, I me. Love it's Mars. a great character, but his acting is the fucking worst. Let's just, be, let's just start off by saying that. His him and Tarantino do not need to act in their fucking movies no more, okay? Because they're both horrible as shit. They suffer from the same problem, which is like they deliver lines like horribly, you know. I wasn't mad at. Well, we we won't get we won't get there. I wasn't mad at Mookie, but like Mars, I'm also not mad at because he's the comic relief in the movie, and I feel like he's supposed to be ridiculously short and unattractive, but she keeps him around because he's funny as fuck. He is funny as fuck. He doesn't have shit going for himself other than like he's charming as hell, and, and he's, he's got, fresh. To death. He is fresh, but he's like he's got he's like you know what? So the other two guys she's dating other than Mars are Jamie Overstreet and um. Mars, not Mars, um, Greer Childs. Greer is like a GQ model and Jamie's like educated Renaissance man that writes her love poems. But they're both like attractive guys and Mars is like four foot nothing, not mm-hmm. cute. But it just goes to show like I can pull the same bad bitch as you because I'm funny. Right. So I'm not, I'm not mad at Mars. He's insecure in the movie, but he's insecure about his looks compared to the other guys. But right. he also shits on them. He's like, yo, he's two Joe neck bones. What are you doing? Because he's insecure. That's why he shits on them. I mean, that's what guys he who wants shit on her to guys, himself, but all three of them are doing that. All three of them don't understand why she's with the other two. Yeah, because they're all insecure. Yeah. Well, she pulled that shit that guys do too. She's like, you're the one that I want. And he's like, stop fucking these other dudes then. She's right. like, but I can't. All right. Yeah, that's weird as shit. So, how, I mean, how many of us have seen She's Got... Is it just me and Leezy here? Oh, I was seeing it. Okay. okay good, hey, good hey, Martin, welcome back. Unfortunately, I have not seen it. Of course you haven't, but go ahead, Martin. Wow, wow. <laughs> see, see, audience, this is what happens. This is what happens when you get Treasy and Corey and something black. <laughs> well, the thing is, Corey, is that you probably only seen what, like two or three of these movies up here. But you have strong opinions, so that's very what, interesting. Whole, you have a strong whole list. About... No, I've seen several of the films. I just haven't seen this one particular one, okay. and you're upset about it. I'm not upset. I'm just pointing it out for people. It's who actually don't know a you. good movie. It really. Is. I didn't. Uh, my first, the oldest Spike Lee film I've seen in School Days. That's the okay. next one after yeah, that. That's one. the next one. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's pretty good. So, what do you think about She's Got to Have It? I mean, it's all right for like a first film, mm-hmm. but when I think of like, like great directors, like their first black and white film or something like really like good art film, I think of like the following. Or what was uh, Darren Aronofsky's like first one? Pie, pie, pie. Yeah, yeah. I love pie. But I don't know. It just it kind of seemed like a student film to me. Maybe it was just the production value. Well, I think that's what it is. It's black and yeah. white, so he didn't have to worry about like. But you that still aspect make a of editing, yeah, black and white film. Like, well, oh, I agree, but it's low budget as hell. I, I think yeah, legit. I think 
No, that yeah, that was his first film coming his out of first, film school. Yeah, his first major release. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, he financed financed it completely. I think off credit cards or something like that. Like and I asking mean, people, can you give me a dollar? I was like yeah. the same, and Pi is like amazing to me. I mean, Pi he just used like his parents' money and like credit cards. Yeah, and well, stuff. he's Jewish. Parents. <laughs> <laughs> parents' money means the bank, bro. But like, he only he made it for like. Maybe less than fifty grand, I think. Pie. My parents so are not giving know. me fifty grand right. to make a movie. I'm just right. saying. Yeah. Not that they don't have fifty grand, but if I was like, "Ma, I want to make a movie. Can I have fifty thousand dollars?" She's like, "You are yeah. so funny." Nah, Playboy. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think Pie is a stronger film, like um, imagery wise, and um, just you know the the whole th- the theme behind it, but. I, I don't know. I thought she's got to have it. I, I thought it was great content. Um, Good sex scenes too. It, yeah, there it was a little. Yeah, it was it was pretty visceral sex scenes. Like the his use of the soundtrack during it. Well, and, it's funny to me because like of course like the the soft like uh, like Jamie is the one who's like soft and like I love you and like wanting to take care of her and really wants to be in a relationship with her because of who she is as a person and not because she's fine like the other two. Like, um, you know, they like make love and it's all sweet. And then the one who's like, you know, GQ model, you expect him to be gentle and he's like in right. it like Shaka Zulu. I appreciate right. it. Like, yeah. I really do. And then, of course, like Mars is silly when they have sex. But his execution of that sex scene is like my favorite one of the movie. Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, I just think, I, you know, to, to Lizzie's point, I think it's a good portrayal of like just, uh, you know, I don't want to say coming of age of, but just, you know, relationship adventures of a woman that's not exactly sure what she wants to do and what she wants out of life, you know. And from a feminist perspective, from though. From a feminist perspective. And I guess, yeah. like, most people would probably not even call Spike Lee a feminist, but I'd say from that movie, probably is. Right. So what's so so what's the official statement there, like, that he's trying to make? Did, did, did we well, I think, it's, I think it's about the sexual liberation of the black woman. So... I, that's the statement and I think that the statement that he's trying to make is that you know this is this is what we do to women can we handle it that kind of thing it's a role reversal mm. Mm, okay I, I can deal with that I can deal with that alright Mo Better Blues seen who's seen it who hasn't here I have not seen it oh yep I barely Just, remember it that's yeah, one of my favorite Spike movies yeah. I watched it like last week yeah Mo Better Blues <laughs> is that shit y'all I love more better blues. Okay, so Uncle Denzel is was fine. Like that was when Denzel was like, "Oh hey, mind you, I was like ten years old." But right. Den- Denzel was that dude. Like mm. when that movie came out, was that his first Spike Lee joint? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that because that came before Malcolm X, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing Spike likes to do. He likes to use the same actors over and over and over. So his early work like featured a lot of like his sister, which you don't see anymore. Right. Um, but he's done what, three films with Denzel at this point? I think four. Inside Man, Malcolm X, Mo Better Blues. That's it. That's it? I think so. I feel like, I feel like we're like missing the, one. Yeah, I, like I thought it was more too, but I guess could be He has Samuel Jackson in a shit ton of his movies, but All right. Damn. But... I feel like we're missing one. Oh, well, we'll leave it I at don't. that. <laughs> I know yeah. my spike, but okay. I mean, I could be wrong, and I'm sure that everyone who knows me will inbox me to tell me what I got wrong. Thank you for keeping me honest. Man, have they been doing that? Yes. Because I said so. Fuck you, Tracy. Oh, my God. I love our <laughs> listeners, man. I, I love you guys for that. Yeah. Um. 
I can't think of. He got game. He got game. That, that's there it. You You're go. right. You're absolutely right. That's yeah. the fourth oh, one. Which I liked. This is great. This you is liked great. He Got Game. I did like interesting. He got game. This is great. It is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, that's a weird one for you to like, but. Is it really though? Think about it. I'm doing the meme with the guy's <laughs> pointing at his head. <laughs> think about it. Think about it. I'll, when we get farther along, I'll explain why sometimes I don't like Spike Lee. Okay. Well, Wesley's in that one too, and I'm trying to think. Is that when Wesley shows up too? No, it's Jungle Wesley's Fever. He got game. No, Mo Better Blues. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And Giancarlo Esposito is in that one. He's, he used what? him forever. Oh, um, Bill Nunn's in that one. Bill Nunn. Yeah. He's Bill Nunn. He was. He's been in a bunch of his movies. Yeah. Mo Better Blues, man. I, I, yeah. I. I love. I mean, I just love the story behind this one. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we have it in. We have it in statement pieces. Um. I, I mean, I really think, you know, the statement isn't really like a, a what, what do we say, Lizzie? It speaks to... Well, I'd say it's the opposite of she's got to have it. It's a man who doesn't know what he wants. Right. Um, it's a man who doesn't know what he wants. And can have whatever he wants. Right. And basically, he has two girlfriends that know about each other, and he's in love with them both. And he's headlining at a jazz club, and he's um, with his band, um, Giancarlo Esposito, Bill Nunn. And, and Wesley. Wesley are in his band. Right. Shadow. Shadow. <laughs> I think which is like the best fitting name for Wesley Snipes. <laughs> Wesley Snipes takes his bitch in this movie too. Yeah. <laughs> the Wesley, better looking of his bitches. Wesley was smooth in this film. Bro. Absolutely. Now, he, they, they both killed it to me, man. Like I think you know what I think is weird about Mo Better Blues is didn't his sister have a sex scene in that? She has a sex scene where her titties are out and like they're yelling at each other. It's because yeah. okay, so what happens is it's it's like they keep going back and forth between him having sex with the two women, and at some point he calls each of them by the other one's name. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he she has a sex scene, and I thought about that when I was watching. I was like, you watching Denzel like suck your sister's titties? This is weird. Right, you have to direct your sister in a sex scene. That's dedication, bro. As dedication, Lil Wayne style dedication, <laughs> for real. Because I don't think I could do that. I don't you think know, that I could get naked and kiss a dude in front of my brother right. either. Like Joa's a soldier for that. Right, right. I so. don't have the artistic integrity. I don't think. <laughs> Straight up, man. Maybe it was a body double though. I don't know. Maybe he stepped out for the. No, it's her. It's her. It's her. They show titty and face in the same. Yeah, it's her. Okay. I yeah, mean, yeah. I wouldn't have missed out on a sex scene with Denzel if I was her. Like. Uh, Oh yeah, well, calling a body double? Hell no! Yeah, I get you. I'm gonna lay up under that. Yeah, that's funny. Um, so Mo Better Blues is to me, it's 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 a thumbs up. Um, Sames. Chirac is on the next is on the list next. How many people seen Chirac? I have not seen Chirac. What are you doing? <laughs> we're, we're gonna get to movies I've yeah, seen. Yeah, but we've been preparing for this for a while. So I'm a little disappointed in you. I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't just you say Chirac was bad. Chirac wasn't was not the greatest, but it was not half as bad as I thought it would be. I okay. really, to me, the only problem in Chirac is calling it Chirac. That's the only problem. If you if he just didn't call it Chirac, I think it would have been a palpable film. Mm -hmm. You know, I would have been okay with it. But calling it Chirac, you're giving it context. I understand why he did it, mm -hmm. but it feels very exploitive. Like I would, I understand why people from Chicago didn't like this film, mm -hmm. or some people from Chicago, I should say. So I have not, I, I, as I'm talking shit about Corey, I have to be transparent. Like I've fallen asleep on Chirac twice, mm -hmm. but. The parts of it that I have seen, I did enjoy. I like what he was doing there. I like what he was trying to do, trying to, um, you know, do a reimagined version of, version of Lysistrata, which is written, you know, in rhyme. So he was wanting to 
keep the mm-hmm. integrity of that right. and that have them writing. So the movie is like Shakespearean yes. style. Yeah. It's yeah. Got, it's, is it Shakespearean or is it poetic? Kind of like uh, like. Mm, Lysistrata is uh, not written by Shakespeare. I, I use that term loosely. I know it's what like you mean poetic. though, like like, like Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that it okay. is very reminiscent of. Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. There are parts of it. Ports. I'm from Cali all of a sudden. Um, there are parts of it that the rhyming is more noticeable. I'd say like when Nick Cannon is talking, he's also a rapper named oh, Chirac. God, I forgot Nick Cannon um, was in the movie. He actually didn't suck. But yeah, he didn't. And I, I believed shocked. him as a rapper. Um, Wesley is also playing a rapper. Did not believe him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wesley's like a 50 years old. <laughs> Wesley Snipes? Yeah. yeah. Not he's pay, a rapper in Chirac? Not yeah. pay taxes, Wesley Snipes? Oh, no, no. No, he's not a rapper. He's But he's like the gang But he's like the gang lord of, yeah, what, yeah. the Trojans? Okay. Something like that. Yeah, the Trojans. Yeah. He's like a Trojan. and Spartan. I don't know. Yeah, but they were the Trojans and the Spartan, which is like classic from Lysistrata. And I think that they should have just called it Lysistrata and do a reimagined version of it, not with the integrity of the exact dialogue like, you know, a Baz Luhrmann would have done, you know, Romeo and Juliet. But I think he could have pulled it off to your point about not calling it Chirac and not giving it that particular, like, specificity. Mm -hmm. But I think it would have worked better. I do agree with that. I wasn't mad at the execution of the parts that I saw um, as I was dozing in and out. Not the film's fault. I just have really shitty sleep patterns, so I just pass out sometimes. But I I get what he was trying to do, and I think that if you are a person that's into literature and you like Spike, then you would appreciate that. But if you're not, you're just kind of like, what is this Rudy Pooh rhymey bullshit? So I I get it, though. Yeah. I guess with me, it's like, what I love about Spike Lee is how he'll take a piece of the black experience and like put it on film, something you might see every day. Or something like your friends might see, your family, something you know, like in your heart, you know inherently, like it's part of like your everyday life or something like that. And he puts it on film, something that you never seen before, never seen any other director do, do it. The way he like captures the black experience, or captures black culture, and puts it on film, I think is like the best thing I like about him. But I feel like Chirac doesn't do that at all. Like there's, I didn't really see Chirac and see like the Chicago black experience. So like right. mm-hmm. the Chicago gangster experience, it was kind of disrespectful to me, I think. Yeah. And if I was from Chicago, I'd probably find it pretty disrespectful. Right. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, I mean, I've never been to Chicago a day in my life. I know plenty of people from there, but I mean, just from the context of like, if he would have did that and called it Virginia, like Virginiac or some yeah. shit yeah. like that. <laughs> like New York or something, but he was clearly doing it to make money though. Yeah, I honestly think, what, what, like was it, it was originally supposed to be called Chirac or was that something that he decided at the, that like at some point he was going to well, do? I, mean, I, heard, time I heard the yeah. film, it was Chirac. I heard it was like another script that he changed into Chirac or something. That's like what that. I think I read yeah. also that it was called something else, and he decided he was going to call it Chirac, because that's not that's not that old of a term to apply to Chicago. I don't and and people from Chicago don't like that term, from what nah, I understand. I guess now they don't. Yeah. I don't think they think liked they, it before. <laughs> so. Well, they coined it. <laughs> like people from Chicago coined it. From what I understand, hmm. I've heard plenty of like you know rappers like I want to say uh, you know. There was a, a ratchet period where I was really into LEP Bogus Boys. Exactly. What, they're, are we they're, speaking English right now? Yeah, completely English. They're like the most gangster dudes from Chicago rappers. And I, I want to say I heard them say Chirac a few times. I think that's where I heard it from originally. I, I couldn't think he comes out of like the drill music scene, like um, 
Like Lil Durk and yeah, Durk and all those guys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought it was because like two hundred people get murdered a week. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of like it's obviously it's it's that's the context that the death toll surpassed. I was was being comical. So yeah, it was funny. So I I think it's I think it's a term that's coined by people from Chicago, but. It's one of those things that, like, that's our thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it's like, inaccessible mm. language. And he's not from Chicago, so I kind of get that. Yeah. Like, who are you to come and define our right. experience? You're not even from here. He could have done that story in Brooklyn. It would have been the exact same story. And and I think people I th- wouldn't have given it that much shit because he's from Brooklyn. I think that it would have worked better had he not made it a place, period. I think it would have worked better as Just life's a struck. Yeah. Like, I, well, I don't think he would have got the funding, though, I think, that he got. So that makes it to yeah. me, that's what makes it exploitive to me. Huh. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? That's where I haven't seen the film, but like sometimes my problem with Spike has been his message points feel forced. I agree. Okay. And they feel like, I'm going to make this movie and I'm going to throw something in there randomly. And it, it's it's so sharp and it, it's it's unthoughtful, in my opinion. Well, it, it's it's just literally thrown in the middle of a movie. Actually, I think I think I just originally said I kind of agree with you, but I actually disagree. Now that I think mm-hmm. about it, I really feel like usually his points mm-hmm. they exist, and he builds around it. Where I feel like to what you know their point was in terms of like changing the name of the script, mm-hmm. I feel like. It made sense to call it Chirac because it was about murders and, you know, the murder rate and stuff like that. Like, you know, maybe his script, it was just a quick audible. But I usually feel like his scripts are very intentional. Like, his messages are very intentional. It's very rare that I'll look at a Spike Lee film and, and, and see something that doesn't that didn't belong there. Oh, we're going to get to that because I have one that's, like, glaring that really, really bothers me. Okay. Well, we'll definitely get but into it, that. It goes into the way he handles his message points. I feel like naming a movie that wasn't about Chicago Chirac is sometimes it's related to the way he presents his message points. Well, it was it about can be, Chicago. Well, oh, uh, well. I mean, we, was the original script about Chicago? Oh, see, well, that, okay. that I don't know. You know what I mean? So it's impulsive. Yeah. It's it's very, like... You know what? We're going to call it Chirac. Yeah, we're going to call it Chirac. <laughs> Chicago has a problem right now, and that's my message point. Right. Like, it, it's impulsive, and it's not thoughtful. Right. And, and it doesn't connect to the film. It, it's just a point. It's it's like a dagger in the middle of the movie. Yeah, well, I think we can all agree it was it was a ploy to get funding or a marketing ploy to make it. You know, to. to and I, I had a problem with the whole like, I guess the one person in the uh, movie with all the answers is like a white dude with like a oh, five minute rant in church or what? The white oh, savior trope. Yeah. I love John Cusack. <laughs> really, he I doesn't did, impress me. No, I like him. I've always Wait, liked him. So but Spike Lee had a white savior. Yeah, yeah. The, John the, the minister in the movie. Well, I don't. I don't think he was the white savior. I, I think Lysistrata was the savior. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, she's she's definitely the protagonist. In yeah, the movie. but I I feel like that he was. Uh, I think he, I, I didn't maybe like that him was being to, a vessel for like the black church. You maybe know, that, that, that was the point, though. Like, maybe that was to make a point of subtlety that he he's not normally subtle. He normally bangs you in the head. That. Yeah, there's no All nuance the, to him. The, there's, well, I mean, maybe that's the nuance there because to say like, I don't know how he feels about the black church, but to say like, this is where people get their messaging from and you'd rather hear this from him than to be able to figure it out yourselves. Oh, well, you you know what? You know what just struck me? Maybe that wasn't for him. Maybe that wasn't for us. Maybe that was for the white people. 
maybe that was for white people to 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 listen. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like this problem is oh because it's coming from from, from him. Another yeah. Huh, interesting. Yeah, it just, it didn't hit me till you just said what you said though. Mm-hmm. That would be an interesting angle yeah. to think because usually I would interpret that as like a lot of Spike Lee films to me are. I, we've got one main message point, but I'm just going to throw in some other black issues that have nothing. Maybe they, I'm not going to say they don't have anything to do with the main point, but mm-hmm. from a film perspective, they don't go well for me. Mm-hmm. They don't mesh to the central point. And based on your conversation, that's what it felt like at first. It's like, we're going to talk about one thing, right. but because the black community has multiple issues, we're going to throw in this other point just for the hell of it. He right. does that. You're right. Well, I can't wait to get into these movies because I, 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 I beg to differ, but I, I would love to hear you guys. I you have guys examples. Have, usually have, right. I was about to say, you guys usually have pretty compelling arguments, so I'm not going to go too hard on that. Uh, I'll say one last thing about Chirac. I don't like it, but I do like uh, Tiana Paris, though. Oh, she's fine. Yeah, I love Survivor's Remorse, Dear White People. I really want to see her do she's like a lot Survivor's more. Survivor's Remorse? Yeah. yeah. I don't watch it, so I don't even know why I said that. Oh, that's that like time. one of the she's, blackest shows on television. It's great, really? too. Yeah. She's beautiful. Yeah, she yeah, is. I think she is, so. Yeah, I guess pretty. I didn't notice how pretty she was in Dear White People because she has on those horrible wigs the entire oh, yeah. movie. But like when I really stopped and looked at her on Survivor's Remorse, I was like, you bitch bad. Yeah, even when she cuts her hair off. She's, mm, she's gorgeous. Yeah. Nice. And I agree with that as well. Um, so the last film in the statement piece is, is Jungle Fever for us, which is about the exploration of black and white relationships interracial relationships or black and Italian it would be in this case I think um, I've seen Jungle Fever yeah oh, I was the first one see yeah. there you go there it is yeah. let's, hey, let's, let's talk about it you would see oh. Jungle Fever <laughs> didn't you used to have Jungle Fever listen come through Jesse come through there's no such thing as you used know to. I don't, <laughs> I don't believe in Jungle Fever. You know, crazy comes in all colors. So oh, that's um, not what that means. I know. I just wanted to switch directions. Um, <laughs> um, it, it, I have a funny story about how I got to see all of Spike Lee's earlier films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked at a elementary school. No, I'm sorry, middle school. Please tell. And me and the guy who also worked there, he went to HU, and we did a DVD exchange. His name was uh, D. <laughs> this sounds okay. Is it a D's nuts joke? Bro? No, no. His name uh, is, it would have been better if it was. His right, real name, right. he'll hate me for this. His real name was Demetrix. He, he was D, so he's Mr. D. Demetrix with yeah. an X? Yeah. I like it. Yeah, yeah. So we would trade, and the funny part is you mentioned Pi earlier. He went to Hampton or he Howard? He went to Hampton. Okay. Yeah. And we the I traded issue. Pi for school days. <laughs> really? Sounds a yeah. lot like yours. Because what basically what would happen is we would trade DVDs, and he gave me black films for lack of a better word, right. and I gave him like artsy weird shit. You can right. say black films. We're not. We're not I those know, people. I just. I know. But shouts out to you, Demetrix. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. D. So I'm not calling him Mr. D. Mama named Demetrix. I'm calling him Demetrix. Well, the funny thing yeah. was he he didn't like people calling him that. So yeah, well, Mr. D sounds a little. First of all, it's pornish. Well, it was it was pornish. because the kids had to call us by. Our, I was Mr. Corey and Mr. D. So um, eventually we got to Jungle Fever, and uh, I, I've only seen the movie one time, which was at that point, which was God, ten over ten years ago. Right, and. He had I had watched School Days and Do the Right Thing, and I love those films. Right. Um, but Jungle Fever, I, I the only thing I remember is I didn't like it, and okay. I think that was the first time though I admit I didn't understand the connection to the black culture. Mm-hmm. All I interpreted it as 
was that you're saying that interracial dating is wrong. Hmm. And I was like, I don't agree with that. I didn't but, take that away at all. I took yeah, away cheating on your wife is wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That but, was the message that I, I and mm-hmm. I took away, like, he had some issues with colorism, and he fetishized a white woman, and then he really wanted to screw her because she was white. And I, I got that there's definitely deeper meanings to that, you know, yeah. but I also interpreted it a little bit as that, you know, out outside your race is a little bit wrong. Like, we shouldn't hmm. be doing that. And so that's why you don't like Spike Lee? No, it's not because why I don't like Spike Lee. <laughs> so I d- and due to my own personal multicultural history, <laughs> I just personally was like, wow, like, for the fir- one of the first times in my life, I'm like, I'm low key offended. Like, I'm low key. What, if, like, what specifically what offended you? I'm that's curious because I, I, as, as a black woman mm-hmm. of lighter skin, like, I sat mm-hmm. there and I really digested, like, all of the complexity of interracial dating in mm-hmm. the black community and the history there with, you know, the colonized mind and mm-hmm. white supremacy and that being internalized and people mm-hmm. being internally oppressed and fetishism and all of those things. Mm-hmm. I don't find it offensive from that perspective. What I felt like my, what I took away from that is it wasn't so much that she was white. That was wrong. Mm-hmm. It was him because I didn't yeah. feel like she was fetishizing him. He I, was definitely fetishizing. I mean, her. also to admit, I mentioned that I saw the movie over ten years ago, and I wasn't as woke as I am now. So, <laughs> what white boy? Know, shout out I, to you. I probably right. need to watch it again to see mm-hmm. it from that perspective and have a different viewpoint. But like yeah. specifically, what offended you? It, it was just the idea that maybe this is wrong. Why? That, why did you think that that's what he was saying, though? Uh, I admit it's it's been a while, so I'm trying to remember. But okay. I, it I can't point examples. I'll be honest. I just remember that was the tone of the film that you're you're highlighting just how wrong this is, and then there's no real. I, I guess it didn't have a, a happy book ending, you know. So it, it became this just that this is wrong. It, it just it was a constant theme amongst it that this is dirty, that this is not accepted, and that this is not something that should be happening. And I just, but I went stereotypical. I went that, no, like everybody loves each other. We should all just like coexist and we should put our hands together like on the cover. Like, you know, like. So so to your point, Mm -hmm. do I think there's anything wrong in and of itself Mm -hmm. with interracial dating? No. But I think Mm -hmm. people's motivations for doing it a lot of the times are really rooted in some bullshit. And in that movie, that was what it was. (laughs) So I I agree with you. So, I I mean. Because he was fetishizing his own wife because she was mm -hmm. so light skinned. So. I wholeheartedly. eh believe I need to watch the movie again in many years later. That like, scene that was, with the black women sitting around talking, mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is real life right here. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it reminds me of this like uh, Common, uh, B, like his album B. He has this line, it's like, uh, like I think of this line every time like I see Jungle Fever, but it's like, black men walking with white girls on their arms. I'd be mad at them as if I was a mom. We told to look beyond the surface of person to person when we Lessen our women, our conditions seem to worsen. Mm. So it's like um, you have to respect respect black women. I think I think that's what the women were talking about in those conversations, mm. and when they were like chastising Wesley, it's like all about respecting our women rather than like fetishizing other women. Mm. I think that was kind of the message of the movie. 
I mean, and I think that that's fair. And in that conversation where I was saying that's real life, like, I think what they were talking about, there was levels to that. Like, even in your respect of the black woman, don't be running after the lightest, brightest one you can find, because that's the closest to white you can get without going there. Like, love that woman for who she is and respect her for who she is, too. Um, and then, too, the, them talking about their own internalized feelings about their skin color and colorism from that aspect and some of them being ignorant to each other's experiences as black women like they explored all of that too but if i recall too there were some examples of not liking the woman strictly because they they didn't analyze wesley they analyzed that she was not black they analyzed him too um okay. but which I, you know which i get but so, and that's where i i do have a like i'm kind of like like and and this would be a whole separate podcast but <laughs> you know is that you know, even though he did have his oblong, you know, intentions, but well, there's sometimes people are criticized like, oh, you should love the black woman. Well, what if you just met someone that wasn't black? That was really awesome. So like, why can't you just. There's like, nothing really wrong like with that. that. Yeah. But what I see more often than mm. that is, um, especially it's very like pervasive and hip-hop culture right now mm -hmm. i need something foreign i need something exotic like mm -hmm. being a regular african-american woman you're not beautiful enough mm -hmm. like i want to get as far away from that as i can so those messages mm -hmm. are pervasive still and it's yeah. it's on the subconscious do i think it's anything wrong with you meeting someone white and and liking a white person absolutely not but are you dating them because they're right. white or because they're a good well, person i think too but the fact that spike puts in the film that there are people that are saying don't date her because she's white. That's autumn. That's to me making a statement. But the same thing happens mm -hmm. on the white side too. Of course it does. If you, <laughs> well, oh, yeah. We, yeah. well, I mean, you have to think. Look, she's Italian from Bensonhurst, yeah, and yeah. then um, the character played by I know his name. Why can I not think of it? The hmm. coffee shop owner, John Turturro. John Turturro. Yeah. So John Turturro's character is interested in Tyra Terrell, right? Mm -hmm. And he's not interested in her because she's black. He just thinks she's dope, and he gets backlash from that from his community. Mm -hmm. For the same reason. They beat yeah. his ass because he asked her out. Yeah. So, and they're all talking about how they want to screw black women and how they fetishize black women. Mm -hmm. And he is interested in a black woman genuinely and they hate him for that. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's very complex. It, it's one of the films that it's, it, it does. It has a lot. And that's where sometimes I criticize Spike is that I think you try to do too much. In a film, I'm not actually. Well, I think that's one of his better executed yeah, films. Like, like, mm -hmm. see, to me, yeah, it's it's he deals with the complexities of things, and to be, you, what you got to understand is that there's not a lot of filmmakers touching this. I agree. With you know you. what yeah. I'm saying? So when he gets the opportunity to touch it, he ain't gonna make a Jungle Fever two. You know what I'm saying? Like that would just get slammed. The Return. <laughs> but I mean, Jungle when Fever other people touch return. it, it's very flat. You get it's shit like right. Save the Last Dance, right? When where every black woman in the movie looks like a hater. And then, and and, and here's the, and here's the real thing about it, in my perspective, is that unless a black person tells the world you're never going to get honest black conversation like a, a, a white person could never give you an honest black conversation because you don't have the lived experience you don't have that lived experience you know what i'm saying and, and and the reality of it is is that you know just like it just like white people frown some white people frown upon upon it you know for black people dealing with their you know their race it happens on our side too but you for know a different reason for a different reason <laughs> yeah 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 so it's like i you know the message to me is opening up that conversation and seeing that, like, yo, it's not hunky dory on both sides. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, 
you know, we we have a problem with it. Black people have a problem with it for a specific reason, and white people have a problem with it for another specific reason. But they're ultimately, it's kind of it's 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 historical. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's it's all sort of historical to some degree, and and yeah, and I appreciate for you know for making that statement, for mm-hmm. even touching on it, because I I can I can only name a handful of films that I've ever seen that actually. Have really honest, honest yes. dialogue yeah. about it. You know that's what I'm saying? So that's the statement there. We didn't really talk about what the statement of Chirac is, though. I'm sorry. We glossed over no that. No peace, no pussy. Right. Well, yeah, no <laughs> oh, I forgot that was the, the concept. Oh, we're not going to have Well, sex. that's the concept of Lysistrata. Mm-hmm. He just reinterpreted mm-hmm. it for modern retelling. Yeah. Hmm. The, that... Uh, uh, so, you know, I, I I said this very hard before I actually saw the film Chirac. I said, you know, if I was a... If I was um, a, a a black female or just a female in general, I would probably be very offended by that message, which is like, because it, it it almost seems like you have you have strict control over people acting like Neanderthals. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think so, I would be more offended as a man than as a woman. Ooh, curveball. Yeah, I feel you on that. That you, I would be offended as a man for someone to reduce your ability to think to your penis. Well, me now, be- don't get me wrong. Yeah, I, I think that it's in a way the message is that as a woman, your vagina is powerful right. in ways that maybe you don't know that your vagina is powerful. Agreed. That your well, vaginas bring life, right? right? You can preserve life with your vagina. I get all of that. I get what you're saying too. But like as a man, it's like. Well, so you know, I'll change my entire life for some ass. Like you, you know, what's funny though? The reason why I, it, it just dawned on me. The reason why it didn't really hit me because that's kind of the truth. <laughs> it's good. No, it kind of is. I mean, for somebody like me, I'm not saying not not separate myself from the pack, but uh-huh. like, you know, pussy doesn't motivate me. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of people are pussy motivated. Yeah, a lot of people are pussy motivated, and 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 I and I have been in situations where you tell an extra joke just because like a chick is fine or something like that. You tell you you know you have a conversation or a joke that you normally wouldn't have just because you you know you're on the verge of like let me make sure I'm, I keep my coolness. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm I'm like cool as a bitch in this particular situation. So I I, I totally get it. Um, you know just seeing the way a lot of people operate. I think a lot of people do operate in the motivation of. When it's all said and done, the common denominator is pussy or n- not so literal, just the affection of the opposite sex, you know, the, of, of a female of opposite sex. But yeah, but to me, it was like, it was almost like, damn, like as a female, you're trying to say I'm responsible for all violence. You know what I'm saying? All, you know, all gang violence can be stopped if I just, if I stop fucking people. Like, uh, I don't really like that message. I, I could see if I was a female, I could see. Well, not being a female, I guess I, I look at it like that could sort of be offensive. But if you don't think it's offensive, Lizzie, then I guess it's mm, nothing for I'm me. Not a, I'm not, okay, so I'm not offended by it because I'm not taking it personally, right? Right. Um, I'm not inserting myself into that. I understand how it could be offensive. Right. I'm just not personally offended by it. Right. Um, because he did not, it's not his concept. Right. It's not his concept. So, Correct. um, yeah. I appreciate it being that old of a story and him taking it on to retell it right. um, and trying to apply it to more of a modern situation. But like, I'm not offended. I don't believe it. I think it's bullshit, but it's an interesting story. Yeah. It's an interesting concept. It, may, it, de- it definitely makes you wonder. So no, no, no peace, no, no peace, no pussy. That's pretty funny. No peace, no peace. <laughs> so, so when Spike Lee, so is the overall, so with those four movies, when Spike Lee makes statements, in his films, do, do you guys do you guys like that about 
you know, is that like a is that like a a quality that should be praised as a filmmaker to make statements? I think personally, when so those are statement films because I feel like he's just trying to get a message across. Like there's not an ulterior motive. He's not trying to tell stories in in the way necessarily of a black experience in the way that he is in other movies. I think his movies are very nuanced in terms of black culture, but that's not the point there. Mm. I think with all of these except for Chirac, he did a good job. I think that he knocked that out of the park in, in terms of getting the message across without beating you in the head, which he's failed at other places. Right. So um, I like that. These are some of, I mean, Sans Chirac. These are some of my favorite Spike Lee movies. I like Spike. I'm, I am a fan of Spike. Maybe not as much of a fan as Treasy, yeah. but I do like Spike. And I think that when he gets it right, he really gets it right. right. He just really gets it wrong sometimes too. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, that's the thing about extremities, right? Two left and two right are kind of the same thing. Um, and, and, and I think it takes a certain type of, um, it takes a certain type of character to be able to step all the way on the ed- end of a ledge by yourself and not know if your people are going to follow you and the, and you know, the people that you're trying to educate, you don't know who's going to follow you, but you're willing to go into that territory. I think it takes a lot of bravery. I mean, the same amount of bravery it takes to, to sit on the, you know, the, the, the ground level at a Knicks versus Pacers game and talk shit to Reggie Miller. You know what I'm saying? It's like, this is the character of Spike. Like, I'm going to say what the fuck I want to say. You know what? We actually and... left one out of this category, which is my fault. What's that? Bamboozled. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which I watched half of it for the first time today. Yeah. I, you know, I watched of, of the, all of his statement movies, that's the that's, yeah, that's the a fucking statement. statement. <laughs> so, so I'm interested. Okay, have you seen Bamboozle, Jesse? No. All right, why'd you show up? Out of curiosity, like so far, I'm beating you right now. I'm actually, yeah, I'm beating you right now. Interestingly enough, Jesse is a filmmaker. He is a black filmmaker. He's a black and Latino. I think he's young. He's a black and spicy black filmmaker. So I'm curious, you know, Martin and Lizzie. I'm curious as to get you guys' perspective about Bamboozle and Corey because he's seen it too. He saw half. I saw the second. But we kind of we kind of talked already. But yeah. all you guys' perspective. Thank Let's you for talk. including me. Yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> Let's talk about bamboozled for a little bit. I'm gonna let you lead off. I guess I'm I'm kind of similar with Corey and like with uh, how I feel about um his first movie. Uh, She's got to have it. I didn't really like the production value that much. Okay. Maybe I saw it on bootleg. I don't remember. <laughs> right. But um, that was a while ago. <laughs> it was, yeah, I saw it a while ago. So, but I I, I remember not loving the message, but not really loving. The uh the actual movie the I didn't execution. really like what Damon was doing with his voice I didn't really like the performances <laughs> that much but like like he didn't Lizzie, like it I, after it came out <laughs> I, I, I definitely teared up doing like the the montage at the end I was like wow that that's our history on the film the montage was solid I will say like the ending montage yeah well my thing which I mentioned was that I felt like all the actors in the film I, I mentioned it off off the podcast but. That they, I feel like they're all told by Spike that they're acting in a different movie than they're in. No, well, keep in mind that movie's satire, so it's meant I, to be over the top and it. ridiculous. But like, I feel like when you when you watch a scene between two people, one person was told to act like they're in a, a romantic comedy, another person was told to act like they're in a drama, and then it comes in this movie. Like, I mean, and, I feel uh, like Michael Rappaport was himself in this movie. Well, I mean, Michael Rappaport might have been himself, <laughs> pretty much. But like, I get the concept of satire. I just. I'm with Treasy. Like, I respect that you... I, I really do. I respect that you're out here making the movies you want to make. 
I just, when you start doing that and there's nobody to check you, and, and, and I'm a big technical guy, so I, I bring that up in almost every podcast. Like, it, there's parts of it that just fall apart because you, you have a message, and I get the message. I see it. I see what we're doing here. But I, the movie, the execution is just, so the, it, it the, fumbles all it over It being digital was really distracting because the quality of the digital... <sighs> I mean, not even digital. Digital's was not even the best word for it. It, it was they they use amateur. TV. They use amateur cameras. But it was like yeah. early on when that was first becoming a thing, and yeah. it sucked. It yeah. sucked. It sucked when and I it saw it. It takes away from the film. Mm -hmm. it, it did for me. Like I'm watching these scenes, and I'm like, this looks like a really bad student film. And technical, you know, proficiency matters in a film. So you feel like if if the the quality of the film itself. Um, I don't know how to say this. I don't know the technical terms because you guys know words. No, I don't you're, know. You're, you're right there. You know, if you if you put the that quality polish, of the recording, I guess it, itself. Yes, if you feel matters. like that would have, you felt like that would have yes. been less distracting, and you would have yes. appreciated it more. It matters, and I've always preached that to people that it matters how you put it together and how it looks and how it makes you feel. And I think that Spike puts too much on his message. Hmm. And when I and I'm the guy who's objective and going, well, I get the message, but your movie's not that good. So, because it looks like crap, it sounds like crap, and I don't, I don't care about the message at this point. Like it didn't crap. sound like I'm, crap. I'm, being, I'm exaggerating, but it I, looks like crap. I, also, I personally I also, felt like it looked like crap. I also didn't think the acting was bad. I wouldn't take the same mm -hmm. critique that you mm -hmm. took away from it. I think sometimes what he does is he does have a sub-message mm -hmm. that he has to fit into this, and he figures out a way to transition into that sub-message. Like, you know, if, if for anybody who's seen 25th Hour, there's a there's a part where he did, uh, where Edward Norton did a monologue to the mirror, the fuck you monologue, you know. Um, but there was, that had its, that had its context. That was Spike saying fuck you to all those people. Yeah, well, that, I mean, not Spike saying it, but these are the, growing up in New York and being around all of these sort of cultures, these are the stereotypes that you attribute to well, these Well, he people. does that and do the right thing too, when everybody's talking shit about everybody. Right, right, right. So it's kind of, it's kind of that thing. Um, That's one of my favorite exchanges in that movie too. Yo, straight up. No, when, cause when he does it, it's, it's. In, in in 25th hour for me like it was you know everything hit on the nail mm -hmm. you know it's it's the shit you say behind closed doors about certain types of people you know what i'm saying like i mean not that i say it behind closed doors but but it's you know what closed doors conversations sound like you know that candid that mm -hmm. fuck you to you, you and here's why wearing motherfucker you know you're probably <laughs> mm -hmm. responsible for nine you know that type of shit even though i may not agree with it you may not agree with it but that's how some people feel about shit that's fair you know? um um, but uh, I, I don't really know when that moment ha happened in Bamboozle to, mm -hmm. to kind of go back to Bamboozle. Like, it's it's not that it, – it's something that is stronger in some films and more subtle in other films, right. in my opinion. Well, so. see, to me, I, I feel like the, the, the reasoning behind that film was he probably felt like a lot of people were cooning. Plain and simple, mm -hmm. that a lot of people I cringe, were out here I cringe cooning. at calling people coons, but I know what you mean yeah, in the yeah. in the classic sense of in the what classic that means. sense of like you know oh yes, master, show. I do whatever yeah. to get my check. He probably and, and you know considering when that was made two thousand two thousand and one you know to like, yeah two thousand one two thousand two thousand yeah. I went to see it in the theater. I was in college. My it was two thousand because I was a sophomore at Hampton. My right. stepdad's last name is Coon, and it I I chuckle and cry inside sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It, yeah. Um, I've never met a black person whose last name was Coon. So that's mm -hmm. fine. Um, I remember seeing it and getting it very vividly. Um, I think that digesting it more so as an adult with more context and I'm more learned at this point in my life. 
And it's something that me and Treasy have argued about. We don't usually argue other than when we're sitting here, but Real something tall. me and Treasy have argued about right. um, in terms of imagery affecting how our cultures are perceived. Mm -hmm. And I think that was really the message of it, that we care more about our need to make money and our need for attention and fame and to keep that going and to, you know, he's, he kept saying, feed the idiot box. We feed right. the idiot box and then it feeds us back. Right. right. So, um, just to say like, we are doing a modern day menstrual show every day and we don't even realize it. And the point uh, of the satire is that, and he defines satire at the beginning to tell you that that's what you're about to watch. Um, but the point is that, Damon Wayans' character is a TV producer and they want him to make all of this uh, things that he feels that he's too good for. It has very much like, uh, it's very much parallel to, I don't know if you've ever seen a movie with um, Isaiah Washington and Nicole Ari Parker called Dancing in September, no. where she starts out like this revolutionary and she's trying to get a message across. And that's what he's saying. He's like, you guys want me to make a minstrel show. I'm going to just pitch you a minstrel show so you can know right. how stupid it is. Right. And then... It hits. <laughs> it hits and he's like bought into its success right. because he's seduced by money and the power and the success of being able to do that. But he understands that over time, those messages are damning and dangerous. Right. Um, just to go back to something like if you watch 13th, how she starts the entire documentary with the original birth of a nation and the messages of how frightening black people are and how much of a threat to white culture and white safety black people are. Right. Um, that is a real thing that has affected us and then to continue to be portrayed in these menstrual images, quote unquote, um, affects the way that we are perceived culturally also. So I think that he hit the message on the head there. Yeah. I don't know how that could have been lost on anybody, right. especially because, you know, Martin saying he teared up. I full on cried. Yeah. So well, I get it. I, I, I didn't. Inside I did. Like it stopped. Like the movie was very funny to me until that point. And it was funny to me be only because I knew it was a satire. I mean, I totally absorbed the message. But, you, you know, the Michael Rappaport going over the... That was the best. When he, funny, when he bro. said, say nigga again, he yeah. was like, nigga, 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 nigga. Yeah. He slaps the he's shit out of funny. him. <laughs> yeah, he's terrible, man. But, but you know, up until that point, that movie was pretty funny to me. That montage really... I, I shut the fuck up and was like, damn, I, you know, because... I'm watching a movie, but this is some real shit. Mm -hmm. This really you know, happened. This and really happened. People are really... But the thing is, and I know this isn't lost on you, those messages and those images are still there. We're still being fed them. Yeah. They're just, you know, it's just wearing a different outfit, but it's the same message. Right. I mean, Corey and I were talking, you know, I mean, this, this, that was the personification of the Chappelle, the Chappelle issue, you mm -hmm. know, when he, when he left season three, um, you know, for um, for damn near parallel that exact same reason, which is I'm giving off this message and people are just... They're laughing at me. They're not living with not me. They're not laughing with me. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and like, I'm really... This is troubled waters right here that I'm really swimming on. You he know felt like he was becoming a minstrel he show. Was becoming I a didn't feel show. that way, though. Um, I didn't e either, but I, I mean, I, I, I... There are things that he experienced that we're not privy to, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, and but uh, you know, you have like the nigger family. <laughs> like, I mean, I I think a part of it is a little minstrel. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, not not saying I disagree with it. I totally, if I was in Chappelle's position, I probably would have done the same thing in terms of like continuing, um, and maybe would have had that same crisis of conscience because you know you're looking at it, you're he, like, he I write woke. my show. <laughs> yeah, you're looking at it like I write my show, I produce my show. You know, I have so much creative direction over it. So you're not thinking to yourself that you could be inflicting upon self. 
You know what I'm saying? And that, and that's kind of what Damon Wayne's character was like. Because to, to me, that was another portion of the message is like a lot of the things that we actually criticize, we criticize, we self-perpetuate. You know what I'm saying? Or perpetuated by... I think that's like Clayton Bigsby all day, right? Yeah. I think like that there was a very strong message with Clayton Bigsby that went over a lot of people's heads. Right. Um, you know, he's a blind man and he doesn't, he thinks that he's different. He, he thinks that he's white. Yeah. Well, yeah. And he doesn't know that he isn't. And you see people like that in our political climate a lot right, right now. Very much. <laughs> so Very like, much. but I think that message is lost on people and I think it's a valuable message, but then that loss between, like you said, the nigger family, like right. what are we looking at at this point? Like, right. And Damon Wayne's kind of had like a, a, a monologue in it when he talked about that are, black people are not a monolith. And Are you talking about on his show or when he did his behind the actor studio interview? No, 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 in the actual film. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He kind of there was a there was a, a I think he was I want to say he was talking in to Chirac? the studio execs, execs. No, this is Bamboozle. Oh, and Bamboozle. Damon Wayne's. He you was said not Dave in... Chappelle. Whoa! Did I say Damon Wayne? No, yeah, you he said... said he said Damon. Just now? Yeah. yeah. I thought you said Dave Chappelle. On top All right. of that. We'll, we'll run it back. No, 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 no. The people <laughs> will clearly have heard me and they'll say, Leezy is losing credibility by the episode. That's what they'll say. That's exactly what they'll say. So just to be, you know, be clear about that. But yeah, he he started um, talking about how black people are not a, not a monolith. And that's another thing to me too. Mm-hmm. You know, Corey and I had this off topic discussion, which is, or off, off uh, microphone discussion, which is... You know, I don't subscribe to like all white people whole, you know, uh, the white man. I don't, subscribe. you know, I, that's not my, the way I approach things because I, not all white people are monoliths either. You know, like, like, like no. I don't think anyone actually believes that all white people are a certain way. I think no, that when I, people talk about white people, they mean think, white supremacy. I think legitimately, I think legitimately some people do feel that way. Maybe. I can't speak for everyone. Right. Legitimately. But a, some in the context of a lot way. of conversations, I see people are going, not all white people, not all white people, not all white well, people. And I'm like, well, we're really talking about white supremacy. Right. But see, but, but then it, that kind of on the other side of it, too, I, I feel like there's a lot of white people that feel like. Attacked by that, people, all black. Well, attacked uh, by it, but then also all black people. That we are a monolith. Are the, mm-hmm. Yeah, like you know. Uh, well, well, that's what prejudice is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and to me, that's what that's what honestly that's what that's what perpetuates it to me is that like painting everything with one brush. You know, is like black people are this, white people are that. That's really the prejudice. You know, because anybody who has half a brain knows that like me talking to Corey is different than talking to Donald Trump. You know what I'm saying? There's a distinct difference. I've never talked to Donald Trump, but they're not they're not the same person, clearly. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I've never seen Donald Trump wear Air Force Ones. You know what I mean? So respect. Uh, respect, right? <laughs> respect. Corey's so, kicks are extra fresh today. Yeah, so it's like not to no, he's he's his kick game is on point. I, I'm aware. I've I've okay. seen I've seen it. Anybody I'm, who we're friends on social media. Corey Ray Smith on Facebook knows that he does a new kicks alert every kicks other alert. day. So, but anyway, like, you know, no, no race of people is a monolith and your Mm-mm. experience with one person is not going to be the same, you know, person. But after where person. do those prejudices come from? And I think that's the message in Bamboozled. Like these are images that people are constantly pre- presented with. And if we're being honest, black people are not all over the United States. This is a joke that Chris Rock made, but it's really true. Like right. black people live in the South and we live in major cities. Right. I've been to Montana, bro. Like, right. I saw another black person when I got off at the truck stop because everyone was like, you know, it's not going to be any black people in Montana. And I got out and I saw a dude, we made eye contact. And I was like, it's you. <laughs> it's, it's you. like coming to America. It's you. <laughs> so, 
I gave him the, I gave him the brother nod and everything because right. I was like I ain't gonna see no more random black people the whole time I'm in Montana. But when you think about people who lives in live in pockets of Middle America who do not interact with large numbers of black people on a daily basis to know that we're not a monolith. If the images that they're seeing of us are not balanced, right. that's what they that's think what we are. Think. Absolutely. No, if absolutely. they see us, if, if all they ever see of us is basketball, football, love and hip hop and black lives matter protests, I'd be confused as fuck about black people. Like yeah. I really would. No, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, totally agreed. So yeah, no, that, that, that the bamboozle was very strong to me, and and to just to go back to the production value, I feel like if, out of any of his films, that was the most fitting, you know, um, to be able to do. I, I'm pretty sure from what I read, it was just a production um, budget choice, you know, to go mm. digital as opposed to go film. Um, in but order- they went like super digital. Like, but I think it was like early on in on that like technology. Mini DV tapes practically, yeah. like yeah. not even like uh, digital now, which is. Um, can right. be argued as the equivalent of film. Well, digital then I was still like even you know with Robert Rodriguez and George mm-hmm. Lucas were doing that was still expensive. I yes, mean, it was very expensive, and know? that was earlier than this, and it did look better. But yeah, yeah but I. But I, I mean, it's Lucasfilm I and think, Spike Lee. It's right. not the same. I think the message was so strong; it didn't matter what you shot this with. To be honest, in my opinion, you know that that didn't distract me. It actually added texture to the story for me. Uh, it made it a little bit more real. It made it a little bit more like in my face. This is not filtered through any sort of like color grading, color graded reality. This is really what the fuck it is. So, what know? did you think about um, the introduction of the Mau Maus? What do you think he was trying to say there? Uh, that was. Um, they they the, kidnapped the Mau Mau that was most oh, dubbed. Was that the uh, rap group? Big Black like Africa. Was that the yeah. rap group? It was like click 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 click. Yeah. 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 I, um, um, that's a really good question. I don't. I think I got what he was trying to say, but I wanted to know if you got it. I don't want to be the person always introducing shit yeah, all the time. I, I mean, uh, nah. Give me give me what you got. So I think that he was presenting it from like the woke perspective of you can be like so smart you're dumb and that you you can be so you can you can see all of these things around you except how you're part of the problem. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'll roll with you on that one. I'll roll with you on that one. And I don't feel like he necessarily beat us over the head with that one. Um, no, there was this one scene where they pointed the guns at the TV, as, you know, made the clack, clack sound. Yeah, but they're, you know. they're, they're so woke and so liberated as black people, but they're still perpetuating negative stereotypes so, of black people. I was just kind of like, uh. Right, right, agreed. And then throwing MC Search in there. Who, <laughs> 160 so Black. Not, who is so not black. And then he's like the only person that doesn't get killed. I don't know. He's, he's, yeah. got, he's got pretty kinky hair. He's Jewish, I think. Um, yeah, he, he, but he's he not black. He owns Nas's publishing. <laughs> for, for, Searchlight uh, publishing. Searchlight publishing, yeah. Um, but but I think that that was important too because what they were doing is like the modern day version of what we would say is a minstrel show. Um, I, I thought that was beautifully executed. I really like that movie. I think it goes above a lot of people's heads, yeah. but I really like that movie. Yeah. I, I can understand why it's, 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 it's not palpable to a lot of people. What word are you using? Palpable. Palatable. Palatable. You've used it about four times today. <laughs> Palatable. I will say the second half of the film, I mean, I didn't hate the film. I tried, Lizzie. I, I, I love you. I want you to come I correct. I did not hate the film. You didn't hate it? You didn't like I, it, though. I didn't like it. 
honestly, that's the. That's where did you be... Where did you come in when you started watching it? Oh, we had a few interruptions, so I don't quite remember. Yeah, One of remember. them was me calling Treasy on the phone. So. Actually, that was kind of around when I walked in. Oh, okay. But you weren't there, so you won't know where we were at. I don't know where we were at, to be honest with you. Yeah. Okay. Well, we we did a whole bamboozled tangent, so which is fine. Um, I'm looking to palpable because I can't be, I know I can't be <laughs> There's a wrong. word palpable and there's a word palatable and you made a mishmash of both of those words. And it bothered me the first time you said it. I thought you just were like talking too fast and I was like, no, this Negro really thinks that's a word. So I'm sorry. Like, what is palpit palpitating? Palpitating means something completely different than palpable. Palpable and palatable. <laughs> <laughs> right, palatable is what you mean to say. Yeah, I think so. But, Palatable you know, means that you can take it in easily. Right. I haven't drunk a lot of water today, so I think Dr- like... I haven't drunk. Drunken? No, drunk. Drunk. I haven't drunk in a or lot drink, of water. Yeah. I haven't drank a lot of water today, <laughs> so I think my tongue is getting like sort of tied up in the... I'm going to let you be great. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, man. So yeah, clear I really do respect trees in your real life. Yeah, that's no, that's dope. I really do appreciate that you respect me, man. I be trying, I be trying hard. You know what? It works with people that don't know just as much as me. Then it then it works when you get somebody who's a fucking know it all like you. It doesn't work. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know how to program Pascal or anything like that, but yeah. I know words. I'm a writer. That's what I do. That's true. I got I got to remember that when I do the bullshit. But um, anyway, uh, well, do you guys feel like I guess TV now has kind of changed that narrative? Like I can't really think of a show. Well, yeah, a scripted love it, show. Love it. Well, love it. Well, a scripted yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, but like the borderline mystery. the one the one the closest one I've seen that was like the closest to bamboozle was probably like Flavor of Love, or right? Something like that. But you know, I mean, right. I've had. You don't think love and hip hop is some bullshit? Oh no, I, I feel like Remy Ma and Papoose wa- are like a yeah. redeeming factor on that show. But yeah. other than I don't that, watch like, it at all. So I, I've no. Yeah, well, I'm with you. I jump in, you know, I had opinions about uh, what is it, Empire and the, the oh, Empire is trash. Yes. That yeah, and the you other can show, tell them Empire. I said it. And what is the other show that is uh, about power? Power, 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 and Empire are not like the same. I will do a disclaimer. I have not seen either show. But when how do you have this opinion? Then you're pulling a treasy right now because. The, the synopsis okay. is, like, we had this talk earlier. Like, it's like, oh, what's the show about? Drug dealer turned into a uh, musician, wants to do rap, wants to get out of the hood. And, but he's and actually do... talented, though. Yeah. I mean, but it's like. And that's a real life story oh, for a lot of people. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it goes back to your thing about this is what people see. Mm-hmm. And all they see is is football, basketball, and rappers. And and. Me being objective, mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, is this is this all the stories we got? It's not is though, this the, and I all feel the like stories we have is, is another show about rappers. To be fair, if mm-hmm. if Empire came out six years ago, mm-hmm. I'd be like agreeing with you. But mm-hmm. I feel like right now mm-hmm. we we can afford Empire. I think we can afford Power, mm-hmm. and we can afford Empire because we have Atlanta, we have Insecure, we have, we have Blackish, right, right. we have. What chewing gum? We have all these other shows. Those shows are way more stronger to me because I mean, yes, they do touch on some of the. I think they're stronger. Stereotypical issues, but I mean, God, they don't. I mean, it's no, like, they don't really touch. They're not really. They're way more nuanced. And they're way are. And I, 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 I think that because they are nuanced, mm-hmm. we can have a shitty black show. Do you feel like black entertainment is a little bit more self-aware because of movies like Bamboozle? I don't people shit on that movie so much that I'm gonna say no. I don't think a lot of people seen the movie, number one. But but I think people didn't see it because it got shit on. 
the the theater uh, I remember me, going to see the theater was not it was like relatively empty yeah. when I and we went to see it like when it came out like opening weekend right agreed but but okay so I guess the answer to my question nobody's seen it then we can't be self aware in mm. reference to the material but. so funny enough um shout out to my friend MJ so like we were so moved by the movie and you know when you're in college everybody has a whiteboard on the outside of their door like we went to every floor and wrote like go see bamboozled on everybody's door and we put up like anonymous posters like are you perpetuating black stereotypes are you sure go see bamboozled so I mean I'm pretty sure like maybe like nobody bought a ticket because we did that but we were very moved to tell people to see it because of how important the message was at that time and we were like 20 years old right but yeah, I mean, no, I don't think that anyone saw it. And I think that people were so caught up in what Corey's saying about it being shitty production value to actually get the message. Or they just didn't get it. Right. Or they just didn't get it. Yeah. I don't know how you can watch that movie and not get it. Do like, you think you would have gotten it at 20, though? Um, ooh, that's a really good question. Because don't get me wrong. I, I got it at 20, but I get it in a totally different way because nah. I experienced movies in a totally different way than I was at 20. Maybe maybe at 20, the I, message of the Mau Mau's would not have resonated with me in the I way that it does now. I will say that. Like, watching it now, and I, I, I had to look up on IMDb, and I kind of was like, 2000? Like, that's 16 years ago. Right. So, watching the film, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't think... I think I would have got it then, but I mean, I don't know. I, 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 that's a hard thing to say. Yeah. To Treasy's point, though, do I think black people are more self-aware in terms of the imagery that we put out? Yes. I've always said we don't need to get rid of love and hip hop. We need something to balance it. And I think we're getting that. And like, you know, to Martin's point, I think that's why we can have an empire because we it's balanced by all these other things. I think right. white people have the... Have I don't enough, have enough reference. I don't want to say privilege, but white people oh. can make shitty things, oh, and it right, doesn't right. take away from all the other great things white people have because there's so many different nuanced images of white people, and black people just want the same thing. Right. And once we have it, we can have all the shitty things in the world. <laughs> oh, shit. But I think it takes. I, I I'm glad to see the direction things are going though, though, because in order to have those things, you have to. In well, there's way. peaks and valleys make... with it, though, yeah, because you have yeah, to think yeah, yeah. about in 1993, mm-hmm. we were in this same situation. We yeah. had living single. We had a different world. We yeah. had like all these things that were very nuanced portrayals of black people and all that shit went away. Yeah, I, I'm glad that there's an opportunity to make those other stories. Me too. Because so. that that was my problem is that I got, I got the double-edged sword of it is that there's... There were some people who wanted to do these stories, but it was like nobody's going to watch it or nobody will have the opportunity to watch it. But now there's a, there's avenues for these other stories to be made because I think I, in a way I'm kind of like you need to get rid of this shitty stuff because there's been so much of the shit that, you know, I, I mean. I'll give you an example. I use housewives, right? And mm. I tell people this all the time. I'm not mad at housewives because they're like, it's a negative portrayal of black women. I'm like, do you know how many franchises of housewives there are? Mm. There are two with black people on it. There's like five with white people on it. And those yeah. white women act a damn fool just like the black women do. Like five times as often. I don't, we can keep housewives. I don't care. Right. Because it's not, it's not Bravo making a mockery of black people. They just got women acting a damn fool everywhere. So it's fine. Like I think it, I think it can be there. I don't, there's, it just needs to be balanced. That's just me. That's my perspective. I get what you're saying too. You're like, until we can balance it, get rid of it. But yeah. I think- Let's not worry about that. Let's let's make something else. Yeah, interesting. I, I'm I really I'm trying to think of what movies and TV shows were prominent 
in 2000, 2001 for this to really tie in to make sense, you know, this message. I want to say homeboys in outer space because they talk about that specifically in the movie and then like Desmond Pfeiffer. I had a conversation with my girlfriend the other day about how like CW and UPN like really built their capital as networks off of black television and then they snatched it all back. The Wayans Brothers was on um, and that was balanced by what was Robert Townsend's show? Like was it called like The Parenthood? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you... I'm still kind of blown. Homeboys in outer space. I just yeah. Daryl Bell. I remember it. Got yeah. a second one. Desmond Pfeiffer was really bad. I always had dope Jordans in the episodes. <laughs> Desmond Pfeiffer was really bad. So I mean, and they and he they talk about that, but those those networks had. I remember watching them because all the black shows were on those channels. Like there's pretty much Is no that black. Where prom- Girlfriends was on too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Girlfriends and the shit. game both came from UPN. That's interesting. That's very interesting when you put it They had Star like Trek that. Voyager. Okay. <laughs> of, all the, of all the Star Treks, that's the one. Not even the good Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. So Spike Lee the Messenger, I, I love him. I love him when he gets it right. He's all right. <laughs> I, I like it when his his film comes together cohesively. I appreciate like the artistry and the style of his uh the style of his films pretty much. I feel like um Spike Lee kind of has a signature um look and feel to his films um that I think really um he, he's really good at taking in the art that he likes and really kind of translating it into uh, or integrating it into the film. Like I feel like uh when I first saw um Do the Right Thing, that was the first film I saw from him and um that was one of the films that um to me kind of made me think, okay, this is something different. You know, this is a different person. And that's kind of what made me start looking kind of like more into like his work and him as a um, a director. Mm. Um, So, yeah. He Mm. definitely has commentary on the black experience. And I think Mm. that he he introduced that with School Days, but he really like wanted to say something about the black experience with Do the Right Thing. That concludes part one to our Spike Lee discussion. Make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at Kinda Movie Critics and on Twitter at Kinda Movie Crits. That's C-R-I-T-S. And subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play and SoundCloud. Part two of the Spike Lee discussion coming soon. Thank you for listening. This has been an On Ear Network production.